1: Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long term retirement goals.
2: Hello, thank you so much for joining us. We know you have a lot of things to grab your attention, so we really appreciate you choosing us. Josh, let's talk about the new Aptis Blueprint Challenge that uh, we've developed for listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, Diane, I, I want to challenge every listener to take that next step. I know sometimes when it comes to financial planning, the first step is the hardest. And we're certainly in crazy times right now, right? I mean, we have uh, we went from COVID to... Uh, you know, protesting, riding, it seems like there's not a whole lot of good stuff to talk about these days. So here's what I challenge everybody to do. To give back to the community, particularly those affected, restaurants, etc., those affected in the local community here, I will give you a $25 gift card if you uh, contact my office and have a discussion with us about taking the next step in your financial future. Now, amidst all of this chaos and everything that's going on, We've had market volatility, arguably unprecedented market volatility, and a lot of financial advisors aren't even calling their clients. And clients uh, are, you know, there's no better time to get a second opinion than today. So let's give back to the community. Let's help give you some semblance of control over at least your financial life, even though it seems like the rest of your life might be chaotic right now. And let's at least start the conversation. Where that conversation goes, I don't know. But let's start the conversation and see if we can make an impact in your financial life.
2: For those that haven't heard from their financial planner amid all this chaos and in light of all the current events, this may be a good time to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge and see where Josh can look at your portfolio and see where he can be saving you money. And to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge and get your $25 gift card, call 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. And Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support the local community. So it's limit one per household, and it, it's most effective for people with portfolios starting at 250000 up to $1 million,
0: Correct. It is. And and here's the reason why. If you have $10 million, then unless you take a really crazy sidestep, obviously you're probably going to be okay. If you have $2, there's not a whole lot of impact that I can make in changing things and, and lowering taxes, mitigating risk, et cetera, to try and improve your situation. But what we found is that in that 250000 to say a million dollar category, we can make a really significant difference in people's lives. So, does not mean that we cannot help people beyond that category, but it does mean that we can make a very significant difference. Um, and I'm willing to put $25 back in the community to prove it.
2: No obligation. Give the number a call at 614 364 7300. Take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge and see where you can be saving more money. Okay, Josh, let's talk about this new rule that's come out that could make it harder to figure out if your financial advisor is actually on your side. Since we're talking about financial advisors, if yours has not contacted you through all of this, we urge you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. But what is regulation best and what does it mean for people in retirement?
0: So regulation best is the latest regulation that was implemented. Or it's going to be implemented on June 30th. It's the latest regulation in a long line of regulations that is trying to make sure that financial professionals are putting the best interests first of clients. Now, you know, the way that we operate as fiduciaries, that's always been the way that we've been regulated. But there's two ways that you can do business as a financial professional in this industry. Way number one is through flat fees as a fiduciary, which you cannot be disproportionately compensated for any recommendation, which old adage, well, fences make for great neighbors. Does it mean that there aren't great financial professionals over on the commission-based side, which is the other way? Of course not. There are tremendously good financial planners, financial professionals, on the side of the commission side of the house who get paid commissions for their recommendations and planning. However, does that mean that they necessarily have your best interests in mind? Maybe. And the argument has always been just by the nature of the beast, just by the way that it's regulated, there is room for manipulation or room for error in which a financial professional could perhaps put their best interests at heart. So this new regulation, uh, Regulation BEST, is aimed at eliminating that gap and allowing uh, people who work with broker dealers, which are commission based brokers, they now have to abide by the same rules uh, on the surface. The unfortunate part about the r- ruling is not all financial advisors are subject to it. So while it is aimed to put the best interests of clients at heart, it's aimed to improve the industry. then in the same instance exonerates certain people from having to abide by it so again the consumer is kind of left holding the bag going well i want to make sure that my financial professional has my best interests in mind i want to make sure that they're giving me recommendations that are best for me not best for them Uh, i want to make sure that they're doing this because it gets me where i want to go but doesn't just line their pocket Uh, and it seems like this regulation is a step in the right direction but then here i am i'm left to interpretation i'm trying to figure out who falls into that category So, you know, while it's a step in the right direction, it certainly doesn't solve the problem, Diane. Uh, And I truly believe, uh, and I've said this many times on the show, step number one in working with anybody is just find out if they have fiduciary liability and fiduciary obligation to do the best thing for you. Then they can come out with any new regulation as it applies to the other side of the house, and it doesn't really matter to you because you know you already are working with somebody with your best interests in mind. And how do we find that out? Well, one ask and two, find out how they're compensated. Uh, fiduciaries cannot be disproportionately compensated via commission, which means, let's say that they, uh, a fiduciary would say, I work off of an hourly rate, or I work off of a 1% or a, a, a 0.5% or a 1.5% or some sort of flat rate. No matter what investments I put you in, I have to make the same amount of money. That would mean that if they tell you to move, you know that they're telling you to move because the only way they can make more money on your asset pool is if your asset pool grows. So you're both sitting on the same side of the table with the objective in mind in growing your asset pool. However, if they're compensated off of commissions, then arguably, depending on how they're compensated via those commissions, the only way that an advisor could make more money off of you, or a broker could make more money off of you is by selling you a new financial product. So I'm not saying that that's the, the only method for commission-based brokers, because it's not, but it's certainly a method and there's no way for you to know. So at least if you know that they're being compensated on a flat rate, you know they're a fiduciary, and you know they're an investment advisor and not a broker, those are the questions. Are you an investment advisor or are you a broker? Are you fiduciary or are you a broker? Are you paid commissions or are you paid fees? By asking those questions, there's no running from it. You'll know whether they are or they aren't.
2: Do you encourage people to ask for referrals or how else can people protect themselves when deciding on who to work with?
0: Well, I think referrals are a good method obviously if somebody can't come up with referrals then uh, they don't have anybody that has much good to say about them but I I would assume that anybody's who been in this business for a long period of time can at least come up with a few people who would sing their praises but that does not mean that there's not dozens of people behind those few that maybe wouldn't sing their praises I think the easiest way is to look them up and you can look them up via uh, FINRA's website via the SEC website there's two sources depending on how they're regulated and the beauty of that side is FINRA and the SEC will report any complaint that has ever been filed against you and the result of that complaint. So unlike the Better Business Bureau, which anybody can file a, file a complaint there and it, it may or may not be disputed or may or may not be investigated, you will know the outcomes of what happened from that investigation. So any financial professional that is licensed to participate in the securities market has a... Uh, a history or a, or a lifespan bio on from the time they got their license until today and in many instances long before that uh, that you can easily access
2: again we want to encourage everyone if your financial advisor has not reached out to you during these volatile times To take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, or if you'd just like to see where your portfolio is at, you can schedule a 15 minute intro call and learn how the Aptus Blueprint helps reduce market risk and protect your income. You'll also get a $25 gift card from Josh to help support our local community. To take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge and get your $25 gift card, call 614-364-7300. It's one per household. And we found that this is going to be most effective for people with portfolios of $250,000 to $1 million. So take the challenge, see if Josh can help save some money, or he can tell you that your advisor's doing a great job. The number, again, is 614-364-7300. That's a $25 gift card for for you to help support our local community.
0: Diane. I want to dive one more time into the value of a second opinion. I had an appointment with a client today, and their advisor, um, I won't say that they were doing a poor job, but I believe that education is power. And the value of a second opinion gives you much more education. Let's leave out whether the advisor was doing a good job or a poor job. The important part of my conversation with this particular client today, who was a referral, was that he wasn't sure how he, should, he could even base whether they were doing a good job or a bad job because he didn't know what the methodology or plan was behind it. He said, I know that when I went to them, they gave me a lot of charts that looked pretty and they said that we were going to do better than the last person. But when the market went down, uh, I went down close to 30%. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know what we're metricing it off of. I don't know if that impacts my plan. I don't know if I'm still on track the important part of what I'm trying to make sure that everybody that's listening to us today gets is that knowledge of how should I base success and failure? How do I know if I'm still okay? And the only way that you can achieve that is by understanding what reasonable expectations should be, understanding exactly how you want to be and how you are invested, which is different than from somebody else, and then understanding how to control risk and how that affects your success of your plan. And unfortunately, you would think that would be a very obvious thing, but literally daily I run into people that do not know the answers to those questions. So the reason that I'm doing the Aptus Challenge is to make sure that I'm able to give people either the solidarity and comfort of knowing that where they are right now is okay and they're doing good or giving them the option to work with somebody who will give it to them in an environment where they don't have that currently. There is nothing more powerful than knowing that you don't have to worry about money throughout your retirement. You got that part covered. There's plenty of other things you should be worried about in life than worrying about whether or not you know your standard deviation and R-squared are in the right category. That's that's all just uh, hocus pocus nonsense that financial advisors talk about. I think sometimes to confuse people. You should be able to understand clearly what your plan is. So, anyway, the reason I bring that up is. That's the exact reason why we're doing this. I want to make sure that we give that to people.
2: So take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, schedule a 15-minute call, and learn how the Aptus Blueprint can help reduce market risk for you, protect income. And Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614 364 when we come back, we'll talk about the importance of having cash reserves. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus
3: Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614 364 7300 or visit
1: aptuswealth.com thanks for listening to the aptus retirement blueprint radio show with josh Pitt. to schedule your complimentary customized planning session give josh a call at 614-364-7300 that's 614-364-7300
2: Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, let's talk about uh, the importance of having cash reserves in light of what's going on in the world today.
0: Well, COVID has certainly shown us the importance of having a cash reserve, particularly if you're one of the unfortunate uh, folks that lost your job or uh, were put in the furloughed category. Uh, But there's a lot of importance to having a cash reserve beyond just recent events. Cash reserves provide a lot of safety for a myriad of things. Um, One, you know, obviously they say that you should have a certain amount of time. You know, they, it's all individual. That's the one difficult part about cash reserves. But the general rule of thumb is you should have six months worth of salary backed up in the event of emergency. So we're seeing that with COVID obviously being important. But there are other emergencies that could come up. It seems like life is full of emergencies. Uh, Whether that's, I need a new furnace, uh, we need to put a new roof on, um, braces for your kids, or whatever the issue is. There's always going to be things that pop up. And it seems like over the last, you know, 10, 20 years, an emergency fund has turned into the credit card. But we know uh, from previous shows and just from reality that getting behind on credit cards is not the best strategy because digging yourself back out of that hole is a heck of a lot harder than it was getting into the hole. Uh, so having a cash reserve is incredibly important. But what else does it do? Uh, when you're retired... When you have market volatility like we just incurred, if you have liquid cash reserves on hand, it certainly puts your mind at ease to know that, yes, there's a lot of volatility. I know that it's going to, come, quote, come back. I know that volatility is part of the game, but I don't have to use those assets today so I can withstand market volatility because I have this cash reserve. But if you do not have a cash reserve, then that's a problem and we're seeing now that uh, many experts in the industry are saying that that cash reserve should be greater than six months, maybe 12 or 18 months. I would argue that that is very individualized, and it depends upon your uh, lifestyle, your choices, your debt position, overhead, et cetera. That's a conversation that you should have uh, in our office, and we can talk about what works for you. But having a cash reserve is critical. It's just as critical as having Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, annuities, life insurance. It's absolutely just as critical, if not more critical to have. So definitely need one.
2: As you said, it's individualized. It's also how your client feels. Do they feel more secure having 12 to 18 months
0: reserves in place? Well, Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't? right? There are certain people that operate much easier on a less cash reserve, and there are certain people that feel the requirement or the need to have a much greater cash reserve to make them feel comfortable. But if you even look at both of those categories, in the light of what's happened recently, if you had an extra fifty dollars or $100,000 sitting around in cash, who wouldn't feel more comfortable having that sitting around? But it is a balance, Diane, between I want to make sure that I have enough cash or enough, you know, savings, CDs, those types of assets to feel comfortable. But I don't want to have so much that I'm being foolish with sacrificing future returns that could impact my ability to live. So it is individual, but at the same time, there is a method to the madness. We do need to do some calculating to make sure that we don't have too much cash sitting on the sidelines earning nothing.
2: And in light of recent events or current events, it's a lot easier to tell your clients the importance of having those reserves in place.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's like everything else in finance and in life. Um, you know, when do people really, really want life insurance? When they find out that they are diagnosed with something that might take their life and they want to protect their loved ones. They don't want to buy life insurance when they're 22 and healthy, even though that's the best time to buy life insurance. We're finding the same thing with cash reserves. When the market is going gangbusters, nobody wants to have any money in cash then when it pulls back and you obviously can't sell effectively, at least, or smart, you can't sell on a some sort of logical basis when everything's pulling back hard, but then we want cash. Um, so what ends up happening, and this is, you know, we've, we've talked about numerous studies about, you know, investor behavior and, and how we react emotionally to our money. And sometimes we, we, we invest it when the market is up and we, we sell when the market is down, well, you need to protect yourself from that. And the one way to do that is having enough reserves to make yourself feel comfortable with volatility.
2: You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. We want you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call and learn how the Aptus Blueprint can help you reduce market risk and protect income. You'll get a $25 gift card to help support our local community. To get your $25 gift card and take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, the number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The limit is one per household and the minimum investment is $250,000. Josh, let's talk about successful retirement plans. Let's give some listeners more tips on how to achieve that.
0: Well, I think we just talked about one. You need to have safe assets. Now, safe assets could range for Uh, from cash to anything that provides you some sort of guaranteed rate of return, income, or some sort of liquidity. So safe assets are things that you do not have to worry about the market as it relates to them. That is the cornerstone of every financial plan. I need to make sure that I have that baseline of call it one year money. I need to make sure that I have safety. You need to then make sure that you have multiple sources of income when you retire. So, if your entire retirement is hinged upon I own these ten stocks and I'm going to take you know income off of those, that is not a well diversified income plan When diversification kind of first hit the forefront of everybody's thought process, it was widely thought that I don't want to own one stock, I want to own multiple stocks for diversification and While that's correct, we've found that over the years, the stock market you know rising tides rise most ships and 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 drop most ships. We have to have diversification amongst different asset classes of income. So number two, I would say would be diversification, not just within the stock market, but amongst a bunch of different income sources. So you have to have that income planning. So you have safe assets in the case of an emergency. You have income planning. Let's make sure we know where that income is coming from in diversification amongst those sources of income. And then, and this is one that I see overlooked a lot. And you could even, you know, I'm sure if you read somewhere they would, what I'm talking about, because it could easily be turned into the four or five pillars of retirement planning, but it's safety. Safety addresses that fixed income, insurance, all that kind of stuff to make sure that we're protected. And then income planning from multiple sources. And then how do we achieve that income in the most tax advantaged way possible? So tax planning is very critical. And, Diane, if I was going to pick one thing that is the most overlooked in retirement planning when I see clients come in through the door, it's tax planning. And the reason I think it's overlooked is many times the client is left holding the bag trying to figure it out for themselves because they go to their financial planner, financial advisor, whoever they work with, broker, and say, how do I take advantage of current tax law to get my income in the most tax advantage way possible? And their response that they receive is, I don't do taxes. Go talk to your tax professional. So they turn around. The client turns around and goes and talks to the tax professional. and says, "What investment should I invest in to achieve the most tax-advantaged income?" Looking at my scenario, and they say, "I don't do investments. I do tax planning." You need to go, and they're just tossed back and forth, side to side. But a huge amount of impact in retirement can be derived through saving money in taxes. We've talked about a lot of those. Diana could be. Roth IRA conversions, it could be making sure we take income from multiple sources rather than focusing on one to minimize the impact of taxes. It could be maximizing Social Security because Social Security is not taxed the same way as other assets. There's a myriad of ways we can do it, but it has to be addressed. And then the fourth pillar, if you want to call that, is the one that I hear most often from clients, even though uh, it's one that's a little bit more difficult to address, and that's healthcare planning. Healthcare planning could mean at what rate of inflation do I think the costs of pure healthcare are going to grow at? And I think you could argue very easily that at least double. But if you're not designing your financial plan to segment out the cost of healthcare from the general cost of your life, I think you're really missing something. I think we need to look at it almost separately and say that healthcare we know is a wild card that is very difficult to determine, but we want to make sure that we subset that one off and grow it at a faster inflation rate. And what is our, what's our strategy for addressing that? Not only while we're in great shape, but how do we address the healthcare needs that we might have in the event that we are one of the very common people that need to go to a nursing home at some point. And then the last is none of us gets out of here alive. You know, we're going to have to deal with where does this money go and what is the most efficient way for us to pass it to our children? So Diane, to answer your question, I think, safety and security and liquidity number 1 diversification and income planning from those multiple different sources of income number 2 tax planning number 3 and or 4 and then healthcare and legacy planning are the last stages of that puzzle.
2: And what I love about Aptis is that you have great relationships with tax planners, accountants, to help people with their entire retirement picture. It's not like they come to you and then they have to flush it out with their accountant. You all work together.
0: Yeah, actually, I've had multiple conversations this week with attorneys for exactly the, I think it was number four that I mentioned there for the healthcare planning. You know, we do a lot of uh, long-term care planning and many times that involves trusts. I know many of the attorneys in town, it just so happens that I had three calls this week from three different attorneys, clients of mine. I did not know that they, We're already working with those attorneys, and I knew all three of them. So it's a very common conversation in my office.
2: And for people who have not heard from their financial advisor in light of these volatile times, we invite you to take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge. It's a 15-minute call to Josh. The number is 614-364-7300. I'll repeat that number throughout the show, 614-364-7300, and learn how the Aptis Blueprint can help reduce market risk and protect your income. You'll get a $25 gift card to help support our local community. Let's talk a little bit about why you developed this challenge, Josh.
0: Well, I think, you know, I was hearing many, many times through conversations that I was having with clients that they just weren't hearing from their financial planner, nor did they know what criteria was the measure of success and failure and how that related to whether or not they were going to reach their personal goal line meaning that either their financial planner did not do an encompassing uh, financial plan with them, so they kind of had an ad hoc group of products where they knew that this product had a certain benefit to it and this uh, investment had a certain benefit to it, but they really didn't know how everything blended together. And that's not to say that they didn't like their financial planner, but then COVID hits and there's a tremendous amount of volatility and they go, I don't know if I'm doing well, I don't know if I'm doing poorly, I don't even know how to benchmark what's going on. All I know is that I'm really terrified. Uh, There's tons of unrest in the economy. I don't know how this affects me personally. I haven't heard from my advisor, and I'm terrified that I'm going to be able to make it. But the hard part is you've been working with that person for a really long period of time. When do you know it's the right time to call somebody else? And we've talked many times, Diane, about, you know, is my financial planner a fiduciary, et cetera, et cetera. And you're dealing with how do I pick the right person? So I wanted to challenge people to at least take that first step. On top of that, I look at uh, here, you know, in the short North, we had COVID hit. Uh, all these restaurants are shut down. They've been shut down for months and months. They finally get to open their doors again. And now we have a lot of you know unrest and, and rioting in the streets. And now their windows are busted in. So they're left, you know, trying to rebuild yet again. So how can I get people to take that first step hop up make a phone call and get a second opinion and how can I help give back to the community that I essentially make my living uh, working with so no better way than rather than just flat donate the money let's two birds with one stone right so let's get people to call me we'll help them add some sort of financial security hopefully to their life or at least get an opinion that they know they're doing the right things or wow you really do need to do some different things and still give back to those same businesses in the community that that was the impetus of how we came up with it
2: Love it. To take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge and get your $25 gift card, call 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The limit is one per household, minimum investment of $250,000. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Let me give you the website as well. It is aptuswealth.com, spelled A-P-T-U-S, com. When we come back, we'll talk about Social Security.
1: We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 989 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. That's 614 364 7300.
2: Welcome back to the Aptis Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge, you schedule a 15-minute call. You learn how the Aptis Blueprint can help you reduce market risk, protect income, and receive a $25 gift card to help support our local community. It's like getting a second opinion. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. Limit is one per household. Minimum investment is $250,000. Josh, let's talk about Social Security. What are some things that retirees can do right now to protect themselves from it
0: collapsing? First, let's address you know this collapsing ideology. I think that a lot of times we say, well, you know, it's going to run out of money. I hear that a lot. You know, Social Security's not even going to be there. It's going to run out of money, and I feel like a lot of times we say it kind of pejoratively, like, well, you know, you know, and we say it jokingly. The reality of the matter is, is it is going to run out of money, and we know when um, we will be unable as a country to pay the scheduled benefits that we have currently being paid and projected to be paid. It's pretty easy to find out the data there. Uh, by 2034 so if we don't make an adjustment or a change in 2034 and this is information not that I've done myself but there was a a, the 2020 social security trustees report came out and said by 2034 the money will be gone now what does that mean the money will be gone well the way that we fund social security is there's, there's a myriad of ways but the two predominant ways that social security is funded is there's a trust account or a big endowment of sorts and then as workers work and contribute to Social Security, they are adding money to the pool. And then from those combined pools, we pay out retirees benefits. That pool, not the contributory part, but the pool of extra assets will be gone in 2034. So does that mean that nobody will get Social Security in 2034? No, but what it does mean is we'll only be able to pay 76% of the benefits out. Effectively, if we don't make any changes, people collecting Social Security in 2035 will get 24% less than they got in 2034. So it's a big problem. Now, do I think that it's just gonna go that simply? Of course not, but there is a law and that law states that we cannot borrow, which seems to be the adage of the way that the economy works today, or at least the US government works today. If we can't afford it, let's just borrow it and we'll fund it. Well, you can't borrow it, it's against the law. So we cannot add money to the pool by borrowing. So there's going to have to be some sort of uh, ratification of that rule to change it. Now, whether they do that or not, I don't know. Whether they get that passed or not, I don't know. But it does put us in a difficult spot. What do I think will happen? I think more than likely uh, what will happen is twofold. There's going to have to be a raise of taxation on workers in order to fund it and then people who are not yet collecting will probably have their full retirement age kicked down the line. But this is complete and utter speculation. I have no idea. But let's go and look at the worst case scenario and say our social security benefits do get cut to the tune of double digit percentages. You better have a plan in place to have some sort of cushion or padding to identify for that or to, to accommodate for that. And one of the ways is by doing proper income planning with greater than normal inflationary rate adjustments in it. And I won't dive too deep in the weeds, Diane, but this is something we've been doing for the last couple of years, is although inflation is projected to be relatively low, how do we accommodate for an increasing level of inflation to essentially take into account what if Social Security quits adjusting for inflation or even goes backwards? So you have to look at Social Security as a completely different type of income today because it is somewhat uncertain and it is factually going to uh, need adjustment. The speculation is, or the the issue is, we don't know what that adjustment looks like. It's the same argument that we make when we talk about healthcare. The two wild cards are the cost of healthcare and the impact of reduction of social security. But if your financial uh, planner, financial advisor, broker is not talking about what is the plan, should that occur, and where do we take adjustment from it, then I think you're missing a potential you're you're missing a potential landmine in the road.
2: This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. If you'd like to know how your portfolio is doing, if you would like a second opinion, we encourage you to take the Aptus Blueprint challenge. It's a fifteen minute call to Josh to learn how the Aptus Blueprint could help reduce market risk, protect income, and Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The limit is one per household and a minimum investment of $250,000. Let's talk about income annuities. Josh, what is the difference between a payout rate and a rate of return?
0: This is a big one that people sometimes have a hard time wrapping their arms around. Everybody knows what rate of return is I go to the bank I get a CD they tell me I'm gonna earn 4% or today you know 1% and then that's my rate of return for the next five years or whatever the duration that CD is I'm gonna earn let's say it's 5% so I put $100,000 in it and that means I'm gonna get $5,000 a year until that CD matures annuities work differently because you need to know there's two numbers in there I know if I give you if I give the insurance company $100,000 I know they're gonna pay me an amount for the rest of my life but it all depends on how long I live. And then there's also a break-even point. For example, let's say that you put $100,000 into an annuity, and they say we're going to pay you $482 a month. Well, in 12 months, I probably should have picked a more round number here, Diane. I'm going to sound like Rain Man. I'm going to do this math in my head here real quick.
2: We're going to uh, Vegas. If you're Rain Man, we are going to Vegas.
0: <laughs> I believe. Well, I don't gamble, unfortunately. but. Uh maybe I should. Uh I believe that's about five hundred and five thousand seven hundred and eighty thousand, right around there per year. So about fifty eight hundred dollars a year. Well that works out to about five point eight percent off of a hundred thousand. But if I had a lifetime annuity and I died in month thirteen, I've only received fifty eight hundred dollars, but I put in a hundred thousand dollars and I don't get the hundred I don't get the remainder of the hundred thousand dollars back. So that looks like a tremendously terrible investment. Now, that's not the only type of annuity die in. We can put some return of premiums and make sure we get our beneficiaries get at least what we put back into it. But then let's look at it a different way. Let's say we put that $100,000 in and we received income for 40 years at $5,800. I'm not even going to attempt that math, but that would be an unbelievable uh, return on investment. And then we could figure out at that point what the rate of return is. But that's not really the value of, a, and we're talking about when we talk about Payout rates, we're talking in particular about an income that you cannot outlive. That's an immediate annuity or an annuitization uh, type annuity. The value in those is it's a source of income that no matter how long you live, you will not outlive. Some of those can be adjusted for inflation, but it adds a level of solidarity to your retirement picture. Uh, When back in the 1980, 1990, everybody had a pension, all a pension is is an immediate annuity. And everybody loved them because it was a guaranteed source of income that they could not outlive. Pensions are now gone for the most part. So you need to build your own pension. That does not mean that you put all of your money in an immediate annuity, but they certainly have their place. But it's difficult sometimes when we talk about low interest rate environments. Well, why would I want to do that now? We're in such a low interest rate environment. That is a fair argument, but it does not discount the fact that it still has a tremendous value in guaranteeing you income for the rest of your life.
2: So when people are... Uh, unfamiliar with annuities, and all they've heard is negative information about them for years. If they look at it like a pension, then that's a little bit easier to digest and a really great opportunity. Annuities really do get a bad rap.
0: I think they do, but I think there's usually, you know, it'd be like looking at, we're dealing with a really difficult time now with riots, and let's say one person throws a brick through a window. Does that mean that the whole concept of the protests is null and void? No, that was one person that throw a brick through a window the same thing happens with annuities and that is that somebody will grab one annuity which there's four different types of annuities and literally hundreds if not thousands of insurance companies and different products that are out there and say this one contract has this one provision that makes it bad well that does not mean that all of them don't have a tremendous place and usually I hear variable annuities quoted because people will say that they're expensive or I'll hear uh, an annuitization story where you know, somebody put all of their money in an immediate annuity, created their own pension, and died the next day. That does not mean that there isn't a place for them. It's just we're, we're slippery sloping this argument pretty quickly. And there is a huge value to using annuities. That does not mean that I'm pro-annuity nothing else. It means that it has a place.
2: It is a part of the overall retirement picture and an and important one. a part one. that
0: offers something that no other part can, and that's lifetime income. Guaranteed lifetime income.
2: Guaranteed lifetime income, I love that. We encourage everyone to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. If you want to see how your portfolio is doing, if your advisor has not contacted you at all in the middle of all this volatility, and if you would like a second opinion, we encourage you to give Josh's office a call. It's a 15-minute call and learn how the Aptus Blueprint can help reduce market risk and protect income. Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. That number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. 614 The limit is one per household. The minimum investment is $250,000. And Josh, why does that work best for people with that much in their portfolio?
0: Well, one, if you're worth $100 million, unless you take a really serious sidestep and do something in tremendously foolish, you're probably in good shape. Um, and while we can make an impact there too, um, it's not the greatest impact to make sure that somebody has and the comfort and knowledge that they're going to be okay. They're already going to be okay. And, and clearly, I can't reposition or, or tell you how to take advantage of tax codes or different things that would add solidarity to a portfolio if you don't have any portfolio at all. There's nothing to reposition or change or alter or improve. But so we encourage been, you
2: to start thinking about investing or saving for uh, investing, course, for sure. Of
0: course. There's no better time than now than, than the present to start but if you're like the typical client in that that we work with in that 250,000 to a couple million dollar category there can be tremendous uh, improvements made there and and I know factually that I can I can improve those people's lives so let's uh, let's start the process
2: take the aptus blueprint challenge get a $25 gift card call 614-364-7300 that's 614-364 7,300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with Josh Pick. When we come back, we'll talk about cash flow during retirement. I'm Diane Brennan.
1: We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To
3: create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit AptusWealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptiswealth.com.
2: Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what recommendations do you have for people regarding cash flow in retirement?
0: Well, I think one, just that mere concept of cash flow is something that we're all going to have to get used to. Uh, up until the last couple of years, the biggest conversation in retirement planning was how big of a nest egg do you have? Um, The argument or the conversation always on every news channel was you need to have X dollars to be able to retire because all you do is a very simple calculation. You say, how much money do I have? And then I just take a percentage off of that and I'll be fine. And that misses so many variables. Um, It misses taxation. it It misses the The predictability of those withdrawals, it misses um, the diversification amongst uh, the asset classes that you have. And now, and we've been talking about this for years and years, there should be a shift between pure asset base and a withdrawal rate to something called cash flow. And we're starting now to see that in the press. And what cash flow means is not how much I'm worth but how much predictable income I have to last me the rest of my life that will accommodate for inflation, taxes, et cetera. And the way that you achieve that, there's many, many different ways, but there's a lot of ideologies out there that I kind of want to talk about, and I want to talk about the pros and cons. One of them is, moving forward, You know, as long as I have a 60-40 portfolio, the 60-40 portfolio, meaning 60% stocks, 40% bonds, I'll be fine because as stocks go down, bonds go up, vice versa, and bonds achieve a yield or an interest rate essentially that is very steady and predictable. So bonds can act as my safeguard against downturns and still provide me with predictable income. That's worked for the last 20 years and will continue to work for the next 20 years. That is a very dangerous dance to, to, to do. And the reason for that is what's worked over the last 20 years while I'm a huge believer in history, does not always mean that that's what's going to work moving forward. And we're in a catastrophic environment for future bond yields, meaning that bonds are inversely proportional to interest rates. So as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. We are at interest rates where we're talking about maybe going negative in interest rates, which means bonds really don't have far to go or don't have much direction to go. But as interest rates go up, bonds would go down, right? But let's say that they remain flat. Well, then your bonds are gonna yield essentially nothing. We're talking about negative interest rates. So if you're looking for that being your predict- your predictable income, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. We've seen this in other timeframes in history, say 1950 to 1960, for example, where bonds yield less than 2% for 10 years uh, on an average annual. The other one that I hear is we need to uh, start shifting more and more to dividend paying stocks which I agree with that. As a matter of fact, over the last few months, it's been the first time in a really long time, probably over a decade, that dividend-paying stocks or value stocks have beat growth stocks. Interestingly, growth stocks uh, actually have not performed as well as dividend stocks over a really long period of time, but as of the last 10 years, growth stocks have been in favor. Now, what's the benefit to a dividend-paying stock? Well, I own the stock, I get a dividend, some of them paying, you know, very frequently, actually, them paying 5% right now. So 5% is a heck of a lot better than I can get in a CD, a heck of a lot better than I can get in a bond, uh, better than my checking account. So I'll just live off of the quote interest or dividend payment and leave my stocks alone. What's the problem with that? Have you eliminated the volatility of your portfolio? What happened in 2000? In eight, for example, when the stock market went down 30-some-odd percent, were you insulated from that drop in dividend stocks? While they did better than growth stocks, you undoubtedly were not insulated by much in value stocks. So you still have that inherent volatility. Uh, I've told you a couple of the common themes that I'm hearing. How do you combat that? Where do I get my income from? Well, there's other methods out there. One we've talked about today, Diane, and that's the utilization of annuities. The other one is, quite frankly, using dividend stocks, but using them in conjunction with other things. It gets back to what we talked about just a couple of uh, segments ago, and that's diversification of income and creating predictable cash flow. So focus not on what is the overall rate of return I can achieve from now to 20 years from now. It's what's the predictable rate of return with the least amount of volatility that I can achieve that satisfies my goals, that provides me the income that I need. In other words, and I think I've brought this up before, Diane, is is every time somebody comes in my office, I said, would you rather have a 10% rate of return over the next 20 years or a 5% rate of return average annual over the next 20 years? And everybody undoubtedly says 10. And I said, you don't have enough information to make that decision. If you are negative rates of return for the first 10 years and then gangbuster rates of return for the next 10 years to achieve that 10, did you go broke in the first 10 years? volatility will derail your portfolio as you withdraw money quicker than any rate of return ever would overall rate of return so what we're trying to achieve is mitigate or minimize volatility as much as possible diversify income sources don't count on the 60 portfolio get that 40 percent income stream from somewhere else whether that's annuities or some other source a pension social security etc and create that predictability predictability will have a great emotional effect and that you'll know exactly that you're safe and secure for your retirement. But then you won't be as worried as well uh, when we have these gyrations in the market. You'll have a predictable income stream that already has taken that into account.
2: And I want to stress to people who may feel overwhelmed that they've got to pay attention to this, and they've got to pay attention to this. Your financial advisor is the one guiding you through this process.
0: Yeah, your role in the process as the client is to understand the broader picture of, I have these different categories for different reasons. The management of those categories, that's what you're paying us for. But you need to know the ideology and the methodology behind why we're doing what we're doing. Otherwise, as the client, you're just crossing your fingers and hoping you picked the right horse to hook your carriage up to. that That's a wrong approach. You do need to take a proactive approach in understanding at least why we're doing the things that we're doing. And that knowledge will give you comfort.
2: And if you're not sure how your portfolio is doing, if you would like a second opinion and someone to look at it, take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call and learn how the Aptis Blueprint helps reduce market risk, protect income, And Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The limit is one per household and a minimum investment of $250,000. Josh, let's talk about gold. Should people be investing in gold right now? There's such mixed feelings about it.
0: You know, gold's one of these weird asset classes that people are very passionate about. You know, I've seen people, and maybe this is the media, the news. It seems like as soon as there's the start of a correction, there's every person on the radio or on, the, uh, on television doing ads, you know, guard your assets by investing every nickel you have in gold. It seems to be the same one that is trying to say, you know, buy all these stocks piles of food. And I use that analogy on purpose because do I think that it, me- it makes sense to have some sort of reserve of food to protect your family? should something catastrophic happen. Yes. Do I think that you need to have 10 years worth of food in your basement to make sure that, I mean, that's pretty catastrophic. Uh, Probably not. And I'm not judging, but probably not.
2: But it wasn't that catastrophic Uh, when we were hoarding toilet paper just weeks ago. So this isn't something that sounds crazy to people anymore.
0: Yeah. And with a three-year-old, I found out, do you know what the new toilet paper is? This was actually in the Wall Street Journal the other day. The new toilet paper is bicycles. You can't oh, get the- a bicycle anywhere now.
2: Exactly. And bike shops. I have a shops, three-year-old. I want to yes. teach how to
0: ride a bicycle, and I can't find a bike for him. So right. So we, we're on back order on Amazon to get a bicycle.
2: Yeah. Everyone's riding their bikes now. And yeah, I've heard that too. Bike repair shops are completely slammed. And actually, I, I went to repair my bicycle, and it was like a week and a half for them to just fix a, a flat or something but, I had.
0: Yeah. So I think I think your your point is well taken, and that is you're right. We just had a catastrophic event where toilet paper was gone, which is just pretty significant, right? And we had toilet paper back within, you know, a matter of a few weeks. So it wasn't, you know, we weren't out of toilet paper for a year. Now, does it make sense to have a little bit of toilet paper backed up? Does it make sense to have a little bit of uh, food backed up? Sure. The same thing is somewhat true with gold, though. Does it make sense to own some gold? Potentially, sure. The argument is that there's an inflationary hedge. However, if you use the inflationary hedge argument, you know, the Cleveland Federal Reserve Bank just devised their prediction on what is coming up in the years to come. And they said that uh, their current model uh, only expects inflation to be in low 1% numbers. I think the number was like 1.2%. So if you believe that inflation's only gonna be 1.2% over the coming decade, like the Federal Reserve Bank does, well then obviously, what are you hedging against um, if gold only keeps up with inflation? The other thing about gold, is contrary to popular belief, it's very volatile. Let's go back to, you know, gold was not that long ago trading at over $2,000 an ounce. But when I say not that long ago, it's been many, many years ago. But where is it right now? It's still not above $2,000 an ounce. So if you invested a in gold many, many years ago, you still haven't gotten back to even. So the idea that gold isn't volatile and it is a safe haven of predictable cash savings is just simply not true. Now, all of that being said, we've had several portfolios that when COVID hit, we did pull back to a position of gold to plan against that rise. Um, but we're not hoarding our gold now because of market conditions. So my comment on gold, Diane, is this. Gold has a place, but it is not what most people think it is. It is not an end-all, be-all protection against inflation, protection, a hedge against market volatility, Throw all my money in gold, and I'll be safe. You have to know what you're doing in the gold market just as much as you have to know what you're doing in the stock market so please, please please, in the midst of volatility, do not cash out everything that you have and dump it all in gold. You are rolling the dice
2: so it's just a small part of your portfolio and what is yeah, your opinion it has a place, sure. yeah, what is your opinion on gold stocks versus do you buy the bricks? do you buy the South African cougarons do you and hold it or or what, if you were to invest in it, what, what do you suggest?
0: Yeah, well, one, if you, buy, if you buy individual coins like Swiss francs or cougarons or, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different ones, they have gold value. And also there's some numismatic value. And numismatic just means that people collect them as well. So not only do you have the, when you look at any kind of gold coin, you have what we call melt value, which is just literally the value of the gold itself. And then you have the value of the underlying coin. So if you're a coin collector, you know you might think an 1892 gold coin is more valuable than a 1992 gold coin, when in reality it's the same amount of gold, but it has this numismatic value to it as well. Well, already, just as I start talking here, there's probably a lot of listeners going, holy cow, I'm, I, I didn't realize what pool I was diving into when I said I just wanted to buy some gold. And that's exactly right. There are people that absolutely make their money off of buying, trading, selling gold. And they make that money off of the spread and knowing the value of the coin, buying coins from people, selling coins from a, uh, to another person. And it is not nearly as regulated as, let's say, the stock market, for example. And then there's gold stocks. And gold stocks work completely differently because you have a lot of different things going on there. Uh, let's say gold mining stocks. Well, what is the value of somebody going into that mine and mining the gold out and then selling it? Well, it's different for every mine. In other words, one mine might require a lot more work to get said gold out of than another mine because it's rich in gold. So you might say gold is at 1,600 an ounce. It doesn't make sense for us to open this mine, but if it gets to $1,700 an ounce, it does. And you have to then do investigation of the underlying mines that said gold company or gold stock has in its possession or has leases to operate in. So typically, Gold stocks are much more volatile and react much differently than the underlying value of gold. Now, if I have not utterly bored you or terrified you at this point. No, I find this um, really interesting. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the takeaway is tread lightly when you go to invest in gold and talk to your financial planner, your investment advisor, and say, where does gold fit into my portfolio and how do I partake in it? Um, and then devise a plan that makes sense for you.
2: Awesome information. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. If you would like to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, and we encourage you to do so, if you don't know how your portfolio is doing, if you would like a second opinion and Josh to look over your portfolio, schedule a 15-minute call. Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community, to spend that back into the community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The limit is one per household, and the minimum investment is $250,000. The website is aptuswealth.com, spelled A-P-T-U-S, Wealth.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Diane Brennan. On behalf of Josh Pick, have a great week.
1: You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at AptusWealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S Wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.